Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday night edition of Sports Conversation on the Fight Network. I'm Don Henderson. We look forward to a great show this evening. We have some very, very good guests for you. At the same time, a lot of news breaking around the country and what's happening from the portal. Of course, uh, Notre Dame, 
they're very much involved. Miami's very much involved in the Porter, but the big news is on ESPN right at the moment. The uh, <laughs> realization of what's going to happen in the SEC, they're going to give out their full schedule. I saw a little bit of the preview, and looks like Georgia and Alabama are going to play the fifth week of next season in the SEC. So that's good. We'll have the whole schedule by the end of the show tonight. Also, uh, a lot of football news in both the National Football League as well as college football. The national championship coming up this weekend. And, of course, the, the uh, Reliquist Bowl coming up at Tampa, Florida. And, and that's going to be an interesting game because they now have the Heisman Trophy winner from the other night at the New York Athletic Club. So a lot of things going on in the world of sports, and we'll get a chance to check with them all. And right now, Roy Cummings is in Tampa, as always. Roger Hendler is in Atlanta, as always. Our executive producer, Frank Carroll, is at the controls. And, Roy, uh, let's start off with uh, what's happening with Tampa because the uh, AFC South, nobody wants to win, nobody wants to lose. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, You're talking about the NFC South, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, Tampa's on top, and I told you they probably would be. Um, Not real strong on top. But you know what, guys? I'll say this. The uh, the NFC uh, in particular, and really the, the entire NFL, is such a mess this year that I would say that, you know, depending on what happens between now and the end of the season, whoever comes out of the NFC South, whether it's Tampa, New Orleans, or Atlanta, and it could be still be any one of those three, they just might have a shot against uh, some of these teams that are that they'll they'll go up against. I don't think they'll have much of a shot against San Francisco, but the way the Eagles are playing, guys, uh, and I'm not completely sold on the Cowboys either, but um, certainly the way the Eagles are playing, whoever gets them at this point, I mean, if it were to happen now, and clearly the Eagles have time to right the ship too, but whoever uh, gets the Eagles has a chance for a major upset, Uh, and it may not even be considered an upset, with the way the Eagles are playing, because should anybody be surprised with what happened last week uh, against Dallas? I know I wasn't. Uh, That defense has become porous, uh, especially in the red zone, especially on third down. Uh, The offense is starting to struggle now. Um, I think uh, Jalen Hurts trying a little bit too hard to make too too many things happen. Um, You know, they're they're kind of a play-action team, and I think they may have lost their identity a little bit on the offensive side. Am I, uh, am I wrong, Roger? What do you think? No, you're 100% right. And uh, a couple of things. I think there's some dissension in the uh, locker room too, Roy, uh, because there were some uh, uh, comments made by Swift, Swift and, uh, you know, really basically making a statement that some players are not, they're playing for individual statistics instead of for the team. And, uh, you know, but that could have been frustration after two uh, successive losses. But there are obviously there's, uh, there are issues there. But I'll tell you, I, I think that uh, Hertz has regressed, not progressed, uh, in the last uh, month and maybe all year because he continues to hold on to the ball too long. And we all know uh, that's been the detriment of many a good quarterbacks that uh, have not uh, done well, even though they are expected to do well. And, of course, he has done well up, up until now, even. 
course, guys, the you know, uh, quarterback of the National Football the... League is playing for the New York Giants right now. He has become the star of New York City. Unbelievable the pressure they're putting on this young guy. Poor fellow is on the front page of the post today, full page, front, back page of the post today, full page. Holy cow. I mean, he had a great game against Green Bay. He won the game in the last one second with a field goal. Uh, really a tremendous game to watch if you watch it on Monday night. And, and uh, really it's interesting because we're talking about teams that are relatively close in, in competition. And when you look at that 6-7 number, you're talking about the relevancy of the league. That 6-7 six, seven, six, number is spread all over all the divisions. <laughs> yeah, it really is. As I said, uh, the league has not been great this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a great team out there. Um, there's a couple of candidates, um, but look, I mean, even you know, look at the look at the Chiefs. I mean, they they're suddenly ordinary right now. They're they're yeah. not uh, playing their best game. I mean, you know, what, since when do the Chiefs complaining about officiating and, and blaming on officials and things like that? I mean, that's clearly just frustration, you know, boiling over. But uh, same as the Eagles, you know, just not playing at the level we expected, and. Um, you know, bills are the same way, and I'll, and I'll say this: here's here's something, and, and this popped into my mind when Roger was talking about what uh, what the running back Swift had to say about the Eagles and, and what's going on in the locker room, how some of the guys might be playing a little bit more for themselves and things like that. Guys, it takes uh, a special breed of player, a special chemistry uh, within a locker room for teams that for great teams, championship teams, and championship caliber teams uh, to continue to win and play at that high level consistently year after year after year. That's why most teams don't do it for any more than one or two years. You know, they, you lose some of those key guys. Uh, you can't afford to keep them for whatever reason. Some guys, you know, retire, whatever it might be. Um, but there's a certain uh, kind of maturity, I think, that you have to have as a professional player in order to maintain that you know, that, that excellency that, uh, that got you there in the first place. And I say that because I remember the year after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, the first one, under John Gruden. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bucks were struggling much like the Eagles are struggling now, much like the Chiefs are struggling right now, much like the Bills are struggling. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, barely getting it, you know, barely playing 500 football, much like the, the, the 49ers struggled for a, for a week or two there. And I remember – talking to Simeon Rice, and Simeon Rice had one of the greatest lines of all time. You know, we're asking him, you know, what's going on with this team here? And he said, you know what, part of the problem is right here in this locker room. We got guys in this locker room, some of them, some of them are wait, still waiting for the rest of the confetti to come down. You know, it's, in other words, they never, they never realized, they never turned the page. They never mm-hmm. got past, got over last season and said, okay, new season, new, new uh, adventure, new goals, the whole thing. You know who was you know who was exceptional at that and maybe the best ever at it was Tom Brady. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why You're the Bucks right. maintained some kind of certainly the why the Patriots maintained that level of excellence for so long with him there, and why the Bucks were able to do it while he was there, even though they weren't always you know exceptional in every facet of the game. There was just a focus that he kind of forced guys to to keep. And, 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 and uh, you know, that they, that they were on the right path and doing the right thing every week to stay, you know, viable and, and, remain, and maintain their, 
they're excellent. And, and I think that might be what's missing from some of these teams because if you look at them, I think the Chiefs are a little bit different. But certainly the Eagles, certainly the Bills, and to some degree the 49ers, uh, and I would say the, the Cowboys are in this mix too a little bit, they're young. Their best players mm-hmm. are young players. And because of that, um, they can lose focus, I think. And I think that's what's hurt. And I think what Swift had to say, Roger, in the locker room means a lot. And, you know, it's not necessarily that everybody's looking for, for you know, to, to pad their own stats. But I think what part of the problem is with some of these teams that we expected more out of is that they just don't know how to continue to focus week in and week out after you've, you know, achieved greatness. Well, how do you maintain it? Some people say, you know, it's one thing to get to the mountaintop. Staying there is the harder part. And I think teams are realizing that this year, and several of them are. And I think that's why the, the NFL has become kind of the mediocre product that it is. Well, Roger, I also think when we talk about the Eagles uh, this week, uh, we talked about how important it was playing the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas uh, last Monday night and how poorly they wound up playing. But uh, this week is certainly no uh, – uh, non-competitive weekend, even though they're not playing one of the great teams in the National Football League right now, you know, they're in a situation where they have to win. Well, they are. And, and Seattle, uh, you know, needs to win too. And, uh, you know, they always play tough. Pete Carroll's a great coach. And then they play the Giants, and uh, they play Giants twice in like uh, three weeks, which I think right. is ridiculous. But and now you got Tommy DeVito. Uh, but, you know, just following up uh, with what Roy was saying about uh, Brady, you know, he was very unique. I mean, he had uh, the haters, the lovers. There's no doubt about it. But he was always dedicated and gave up a lot of money so that the team could stay on top. And uh, I just read today uh, there's, I guess, a lot of speculation that Belichick finished in New England, and that decision was made in the Germany in uh, Germany after that game. And and then, but you know, the mediocre product, Roy. Look at that Minnesota game, three nothing, the fi- the final score. You, would you pay to go and see a three nothing football game? I wouldn't. Yeah, well, I'd pay to see it if it was, you know, like the, uh, the the Orange Crush defense against Steelers defense or the old Bucks defense, you know, that they won the Super Bowl with under Gruden against uh, the Ravens defense. I'd go see that, <laughs> but I don't, but none of those, neither of those teams has that defense. So no. that was just uh, that was just an example or a result of, uh, you know, just 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 a lot of bad football that's being played. And uh, you know, some look, you have these, you know, these these runs like this where it's just, you know, it's just not great. And it's unfortunate for the fans. Um, and look, there's still time. It's why these games that the Eagles have coming up, you know, the Eagles have not beaten a really good team yet. No. The Cowboys haven't beaten a really good team yet either, because I, I wouldn't consider the Eagles right now to be a really good team. Um, I mean, when you look at their, you know, they're in the lower third in almost every meaningful defensive category, uh, that to me says everything. Uh, about what what the problem is there, um, and, and so you know, you know, has anybody you know has anybody really shown themselves to be head and shoulders above everybody else? I'll say this: when it comes playoff time, if this doesn't change, it's going to make for a real interesting playoff because mm-hmm. you won't be able to just say, well, 
you know, the Chiefs are going to, you know, they'll they'll lock in and they'll beat whoever it is that, uh, you know, whether it's Houston or whatever, uh, whoever suddenly, you know, somehow makes that, uh, that, that last wild card spot, whoever's got the top seed. You could see, like, an, almost an NHL-like playoff where, you know, where the bottom seed beats the top seed uh, in a couple of different uh, occasions. So uh, I, I think if it doesn't change, and, and it's hard to change this late in the season because guys are, you know, starting to develop, you know, injuries that uh, they've got to fight through and things like that, um, you know, it, it could just make for a very interesting and surprising uh, playoff, which that will be uh, that would be fun to watch. But still, there's time to rectify it and, and everything else. But um, right now it's just hard to say, you know, who's a great team and, and who do you think is better than anybody else? Well, going back for just a moment to what Roger talked about, we talked about it over the last couple of weeks, really at the very end, just as a toss-in on the show, situation with Belichick and the Patriots. And uh, a little bit more was on ESPN today, as you indicated in the newspapers uh, today as well. Roger, uh, most people are saying, uh, you know, it, it's not going to happen. Belichick, uh, you know, until you have a lot more substance to the information that they're passing out right now. So your comments, where do you think Belichick stands with the Patriots at the moment? Oh, I think he's finished, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that, you know, there's just too much uh, speculation. And uh, listen, there's always rumors. Uh, But I really do, and I think that it's time uh, to move. And then I know uh, Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, was saying this afternoon, people were calling in, saying whether Belichick would get another job. And, you know, at 71, uh, and and it would have to be a four-year job, he's going to have to rebuild. Uh, He might not accept a four-year deal uh, if he has to rebuild. And if if the team is young, and, uh, I mean, you've got a, a coach with the Eagles who obviously has had success from day one almost. They got in the playoffs his first year. And he's got the personality, and uh, uh, he's, he's uh, loved by the players, but that changes uh, from year to year. And uh, very few guys like Andy Reid that uh, continue on and have the success. And there is probably, and I don't know whether the t- you gentlemen agree with me, there's probably going to be eight to ten coaches that are going to be relieved of uh, duty uh, after this season. But I just don't see – you know what? I, I, don't you see a difference in the ownership of, of these teams where, you know, even with Carolina, Jerry Richardson, former player uh, in the NFL, but he was quiet. Uh, you know, the, these, this new ownership group, uh, they're not quiet. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie's always been pretty quiet. He only really has one big pre- press conference a year. Uh, but but this is a different world for these owners. You know the the money that they have to spend. And uh, did I don't know whether you saw they just approved they're going to play. Uh, what is it? The year after next they're going to play eight games outside of the uh, U.S. Play in Brazil. You're going to play in Brazil, exactly. Unbelievable, unbelievable. It, it is They're unbelievable. Going to play in Brazil. Well, well I want to go back I'm, with get Roy's comment on Belichick. Uh, you talked about it last week a little bit too, Roy. Uh, uh, before we switch, what's your thought on that topic? Yeah, I would think that the decision uh, that was made by uh, by Bob Kraft and and the uh, and whatever the, the board is or whatever. 
Uh, my guess is that, it, as Roger said, I think it probably means that he's gone. And, you know, look, it, I think it's easy to sell. Um, not beyond the struggles, obviously, that the Patriots have had over the last couple of years, uh, you can just say, look, we had a great run. You know, in sports, anything that lasts as long as we did um, should be celebrated, and it should. This is not a, a negative. It's just time to move on. We need, to, you know, we need a, a new generation of player uh, and a new generation of coach, and I think it means he's probably going to be gone. They'll play out the season, and they'll basically just kind of tear it all down and start over. Obviously, the biggest question is who replaces him. Uh, what kind of coach goes out? You know, do you go out and get? Uh, to replace Bill Belichick. It's not easy to do. It's going to be a tough spot for anybody to be in. But, you know, it's clearly time to move on, I think, because um, you look at it and you say, look, we're, we're, we're just ordinary at best, at best. And, um, you know, it, it probably would have been nice that everybody would have, you know, either stayed together until Brady retired and then Bill Belichick could have retired at the same time or, you know, or Belichick leave after Brady left and just say, look, this, you know, we were a team and this was the team, you know, it was me and Brady and, and Gronk and, and, and everybody on the rest of the cast. And it, it probably would have ended a little bit better that way, leaving on your own terms, because now you're not really leaving on your own terms. So there's going to be a negative, uh, you know, slant to it in some cases. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think it makes sense to move on and, and start over. And it's again, I would say that the, the Patriots are probably looking at a good four or five years of uh, of difficult times. Um, you know, they're going to they're they're going to you know have a pretty good pick in the draft. That's for sure. Um, they'll have that. Uh, but if they don't get the quarterback right, and let's face it, they they got lucky with Brady. You know, just like just like the uh, the Forty Niners gotten fortunate with Purdy. Uh, they got lucky with Brady. They didn't pick him to be a starter. They picked him because you know, they needed a quarterback to back up uh, Bledsoe, and, and here's a guy, well, hey, sixth-round pick, why not take him? Let's see what the kid's got. And and it just worked out incredibly well. Um, not sure it's going to be that easy. And, uh, you know, as we all know, about half of the quarterbacks that you draft first overall or in the first ten picks of the draft, half of them don't pan out. So um, be careful there. You might want to might want to work some kind of a trade or something. But it'll certainly be interesting to see. It'll be one of the great off-season stories. Uh, as to how they rebuild that team and who they uh, put in charge of rebuilding it. One other topic I'd like to kick around a little bit and see what both of you think. We'll start off with you, Roger. The portal <clears throat> announced again, as I said, uh-huh. yes, well, actually yesterday afternoon, uh, Leonard going over to uh, Notre Dame and, and uh, <clears throat> uh, Van Dyke making his move too. Now, t- these two of these teams are playing in bowl games now. I don't know if these players that have already gotten into the the portal picture, I mean, shouldn't they wait to make anybody available in the portal picture until after uh, the bowl games have been played? or uh, And then let's go from there to the national championship. We'll start with you, Roger. Well, I agree, Don, uh, but I don't know if you uh, heard that the uh, NCAA is probably it's going to go, uh, what, to the Supreme Court, okay, because of the portal, because they don't want to allow – uh, players to have more than two. I guess uh, maybe you uh, you know more than I do, but I the way I understand it, they're not allowed to have more than two changes, uh, two portal changes. And now I guess they just want it unlimited. 
you know, you just you're like a free agent constantly, and uh, because the NCAA's uh, rule was at, uh, turned well, it was uh, declared to be uh, uh, monopolistic. So I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's a mess, and uh, it's just going to get worse. So I, I, you know, whatever you fellows think, I'd love to hear. Yeah, let's get Roy, let's get Roy's comments first. Go ahead, Roy. Well, here's the thing, guys. You know, when I was in college, I went from a junior college to a major college, and my brother did the same thing. He, he switched colleges. He, he started his undergraduate work uh, at the University of South Florida in Tampa, and then he went back home and went to Illinois State. Um, you know, and he was studying uh, uh, physical therapy, and I was studying journalism. Um, you know, so here, so – I've got that right. So why shouldn't someone who's playing football have that right? I, 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 you know, these are not I, – I understand they make commitments to teams and the teams count on them. But, you know, if you get there and the situation isn't what's benefiting you the most, if it's not working out for you, the individual, well, this is your life. This is your opportunity. This is your career. This is your future that you're dealing with. I think they should have every right in the world to make any number of switches they want. you got five years of eligibility. If you do it at five different schools, well, okay. You know, I mean, if and if there's some kind of an intangible involved in that with, you know, lack of commitment, whatever it might be, that comes up and, and it's a, you know, pro-level caliber player and, and people want to question whether you should draft him or not because, you know, how long is he going to stick with us? Uh, is he ever going to make it through the first contract before he asks, asks, asks to get out? I don't know. But at the end of the day, most of the players that are transferring are transferring because they know they because they know they don't have an opportunity to play consistently or regularly at the spot they're at. If they did, they would stay there. You know, and most of, a lot of them are quarterbacks, receivers, that kind of thing. And it's just an opportunity to look. I've got a chance to play. Now, I understand. I'm sure, you know, agents and families are getting involved and everybody sees the, you know, the, the gravy train at the end of it for, for themselves, and that has a lot to do with it too. But, look, at the end of the day, if it's just about the opportunity to play, whether no matter what it brings to you, I, I think every player should have that opportunity to, to seek his best chance to play on a regular basis. And so I don't have a problem with uh, the number of times that a player is uh, transfers. I don't have a problem with that. You've created this system. I think it's right. Um, I agree with it. Uh, I don't mind it at all. Um, but I do agree that I think it should probably not be done until after the bowl game because – that's, Usually the that's my game. key. Cases, that's my key. How can you do that? You've had a full scholarship to whatever school it is, whether it's Duke or Florida. You've had to ride for four years or three years or whatever you're going into, and you make a decision to go into the portal, and you're doing it a week before the bowl games. Now, so I agree with you, Roy. I, I don't mind them going, but don't go. You know, to me, uh, I think that's, that's very tough on the teach, on the coaches. I think it's very tough on everybody. I, I just don't think you should be allowed to do it before the bowl games. Yeah, but yeah, I, look I at would... the players that have backed out of playing in bowl games because they don't want they want don't want to jeopardize their uh, standing in the NFL draft. That's you know happened. Well, that's years. something different though. They're not going. They're yeah. not. You know, that's that's a decision they make for their own uh, benefit. And then they got to go to the NFL and they have to make it. Uh, but this is different. It, to me, you've gotten a full ride all this time, and now a week, ten days before you're supposed to play in a bowl game, you know you're saying I'm going to leave here. And I'm going over to another school. Well, wait till January 1st or whatever the end of the, the you know the 
fool is. I don't I don't know what the last day is. I agree is, with but, you hundred percent. But that's the way it is in the world today. Unfortunately. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we're all that's in agreement on this, guys, because I think the issue is this. You know, you play all season uh, in college football for the opportunity to get to a bowl game. You, you try right. to win a championship, yes, in your conference, um, but it, but that comes with a reward, and that reward is a bowl game. And you, so you're playing for that. And, yes, we are in an environment now where a lot of players, uh, the top-level players, decide they're not going to play in that bowl game because they're going to, they're going pro. They've declared already they're going pro. They don't want to take any chances and take, get a, a useless injury in a game that really doesn't mean that much. If it's a national championship game, obviously it's going to be different. And this is all going to change when we go to 12 teams in the playoffs. But, you know, if, even, even if you're at a small school, you know, this is that, op- this is that opportunity for that, that player who wasn't getting the opportunity all this season because someone was ahead of him to maybe play in that spot. And, and, and maybe once he plays, or maybe he proves himself in, in that game, or maybe somebody gets hurt in that game that opens up that opportunity for him, and all of a sudden he says, yeah, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have committed uh, to, to going to another school because here's my opportunity now. This player is hurt. He's not going to play for most of the next season, if, if any of next year. I mean, those things can happen. So, you know, I think maybe for the just to make a more sound decision, get, you know, I don't think that they, they necessarily need more time, but just to – just so that everything is done when the season is over and the bowl games are part of the season. When the season is over, then let players make their decision on where they're going to go. If they want to negotiate that, that I agree. ahead of time, yeah, fine. Absolutely. But, you know, yeah, that's how I see it. But I don't know if legally that's going to hold up. Well, I think, look, there's a rule. You, you, look, you can't make your – I don't think you can make your, uh, your, your decision or, or announce your decision on, a, on going into the portal – you know, in the middle of uh, November or October, I might be wrong about that, but you know, there is a date. And so pushing the date past the end of the season, um, you know, I don't think anybody looks at the, the bowl games and say, oh, that's the beginning of the 2024 season. No, that's the end of the 2023 season. It's the end of the season. Even though it's You're done right. in 2024. It's, this is yeah. what you play for. And, You're right. uh, you know, so. Well, fellas, again, let me interrupt there because we're almost out of time. Roy, it's 29 after, and uh, I know you want to get to dinner and so forth, but. Uh, just a final thought from you, especially uh, on the big games coming up this weekend, because it should be a, uh, I know that most people don't like the four. I particularly do. I like to get the best teams in the in the tournament, and I think they got the best teams in the tournament this year. And uh, your thoughts on who's going to win Saturday and what's going to happen? Well, you know, I talked earlier, guys, about – just the ability for, for some teams to, to just focus and, and, and be ready and, and just know how to win when it matters. And, and I, think, uh, I think Nick Saban has that ability. And uh, it won't, won't surprise me at all if Alabama wins, guys. That's number one. won't surprise me at all if Michigan loses. Uh, it should be great. But, um, boy, oh, boy, wouldn't a Michigan-Alabama championship game be something special? That would, I mean, Big Ten against the SEC in a year when the uh, SEC is maybe down a little bit, uh, but still obviously proud. And the Big Ten has, you know, finally kind of uh, gotten to the top of the mountain. I just think that would be special. I think that's kind of what I'm pulling for. I, I sort of agree with you. Roger? Well, yeah, I do. Uh, but they, they don't play until the bowls, right? The the uh, uh, the uh, two bowls are the uh, or or four bowls are the uh, 
semis. Well, I thought he was, I thought then, he was talking about. That. I thought he was asking about the, the championship playoff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. Well, I agree. I but I think Michigan uh, will be in the championship, and and I agree, Roy. I think it will be Michigan and Alabama, and that'll be a. Great I just think that'd be great. I think it'd be great. Bigger Harbaugh is going to bring them together and get into the championship game. And uh, as you said, Saban, you always count on him. You get very close to the, the, the final line. So I can't disagree with either one of you. I think uh, should, if it comes out that way, it should be a great national championship game. Well, re- remember, Don, his brother beat him in the Super Bowl. Right. So, you know, <laughs> this will be his restitution. Yes, it will. Well, it'll be great. I'd like to see Texas get in, but unfortunately, I don't think their defense is going to be capable uh, of of keeping the score down low enough where they can win it. But I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. uh, But I've I've watched them pretty closely all year, and uh, they have some great games. Uh, They have some games where they get way ahead. They're ahead by 21 points to wind up. You know, luckily to get a field goal in overtime or something to win it. Uh, I just don't think that's going to work in a championship series, Roy. Hey, I got one quick no, question for Roy, Don. The, uh, they just announced that, uh, it, uh, what, I guess it's in two years, three years, but it's going to be twice in five years. They're going to have the uh, Super Bowl at SoFi in, uh, in, in, California, in L.A. And, uh, Roy, have you ever been to a Super Bowl uh, that was in California, whether it was, you know, the uh, Coliseum or or whatever? Have you ever been well, there yeah, for the that? Well, yeah, the Super Bowl was in, uh, was in San Diego. Uh, it wasn't in L.A., but uh, so right. I've not covered a Super Bowl in L.A., but I have covered one in uh, in San Diego. Uh, so, yeah, well, yeah. I did, too. In, in 88, we, uh, we were one of three stations. I was stationed in Princeton that we broadcast live, Radio Row. Three stations were there in San Diego. But anyway, I will tell you, it ain't any fun to be doing a Super Bowl in L.A. because they had the media headquarters in Anaheim. So you have to go from <laughs> Anaheim to to L.A. to do the uh, – I mean, they probably have improved it, but it's still a mess no matter what what you do there. Well, Roy, 30-second answer. Can yeah. Tampa Bay win this weekend and make a real run over the last few games of the season to at least <laughs> – Win that Southern uh, Division? Yes, they can because uh, Jordan Love is, uh, is is in essence a rookie quarterback, um, and uh, the way they'll they'll blitz him, uh, he he just may force a couple of passes that he shouldn't throw, and uh, and the Bucks may just take advantage of that. I think they can absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And what about the Eagles? Yeah. Well, I'll tell boy, you what: boy, the Eagles got a lot not... to get right. That's for sure. Yeah, they I'll sure say they, do. They can win, but I don't know that they will. I just don't know that they've uh, figured it out yet uh, how, to, how to right the ship there. I think they got. Well, we'll all be back here next week at the out. same time, and we'll talk about the Eagles. We'll talk about <laughs> all the things that are happening in the world of sports. And I'll tell you, so many things day by day that happen. You just can't keep up with it all. Uh, so, I know. Uh, Roy, once lot, again, guys. thank you very much. Get into your dinner. Have a great and, and week, Roy. Thanks, guys. Take care. Take care, okay. partner. Take care. And, and while we wait for Chris Wheeler to come on, uh, Roger, uh, we talked about the Dallas Cowboys and, and the Philadelphia Eagles infinitum, but uh, that was really a terrible game last Monday night. 
There's a lot of terrible games, Don. And, uh, you know, look at they had a doubleheader uh, or two games simultaneously uh, Monday night. And, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, they weren't the best uh, games. I mean, you know, the, the one thing is that one was exciting, you know, because it went down uh, to the end, and the other one was, what, five points and, uh, and well, also you know, DeVito. But, DeVito made it interesting. And DeVito, and, yeah, living at home like, in North like Jersey. Rodgers in the last 30 seconds of that game, he completed four passes, two along the line and one in the middle, and set up the winning field goal. And here's a guy who's only played, what, four games in the National Football League and only three on his streak, but he's won them all. Well, and how about the, uh, the backup, the kid uh, with New England that won for them on Sunday? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, some of the – well, and then if you look at Purdy last year, the last player uh, drafted, uh, and now you look at at uh, these backups that are, are rookies or second year, and they're doing better than the highly talented uh, starters, you know, that were that drafted so high. So you just never know. I mean, it goes back to Brady in the, what, sixth round, right? The idea is on what Penn State is doing right now. But Chris Wheeler, voice of the Philadelphia Phillies for so many years with Harry Callis, Andy Buster, and Whitey Ashburn. And, of course, uh, just stepped down a couple of years ago to have a nice home in Florida and relax a little bit and see what's going on in the world with some travel and so forth. But, Chris, once again, welcome, very, very welcome to the show. And baseball continues to make news right now. (laughs) Thanks, Don. It's great to be on with you and Roger and Frank again. I always enjoy the time we're able to spend together. Oh, we love you. You know that, Chris. (laughs) Thank you, Roger. (laughs) What do you think about the uh, $700 million contract, even though uh, they set so much of the money aside? He really looks to me like he's setting a trend. Now the same thing with the other outstanding pitcher from Japan. They say he's not signing so quickly because he wants to see What's happening with money being set way back? Your thoughts, first of all, your thoughts on baseball, $700 million. What's going on? Well, well it's crazy because when I think about when I started in 1971, uh, in July of 71, that fall, the guys that I had met on the team, they went out and played uh, basketball games against high school faculties for $100. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. They had to make a little side money. So, you know, I mean, obviously the game has really changed. Um, this is a whole new aspect that uh, I don't know whether it was anticipated or not. You, um, uh, you know, the union is going along with it. Is it going to set a trend? Who knows? You know, are you going to defer all this money to uh, future ownerships and, 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 you know, and stay away from the from the, uh, the salary thing, you know, the penalty that they have to pay and all that? I, I don't know. I never heard of it. I never thought about anything like this. You know, you laugh about Bobby Bonilla Day, you know, that the Mets still have that Bobby Bonilla Day when they pay him a million dollars every year, and that was yeah. one of these deferred. Well, look at the money that they're going to be paying paying uh, Shohei Otani. So I have no idea where this is headed. But if they did it this way and it works and they're able to bring in a guy like Yamamoto to add to the team they have, you got to give them a lot of credit. Well, they're certainly going to do it, Roger. You know, Chris, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, this past year the Phillies gave out a replica of Mike Schmidt's 1980 Super Bowl or uh, uh, World Series ring. And I took it into school yesterday, 
and showed it to some teachers <laughs> and friends. You know, because I'm back down here in, in, at something in uh, Forsyth County, in outside of Atlanta. And I'll tell you what, you know, a lot of Braves fans. And then they saw the Braves ring, and of course the ring that the Phillies <laughs> gave out, you know. And then they look at this thing, and I said to them last night at the band and concert and the chorus concert, I had it on. I said I can wear this, and it's comfortable. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what, Roger? When we got, when we were lucky enough, you know, obviously I I was lucky enough to get one too. Yeah, it yeah. was and remains one of the prized possessions of my life. Uh, and it's yeah, just another absolutely. thing, and how things have changed, and the opulence involved, and those rings. And yeah, they're at the point now where they're unwearable. I mean, I saw the one that John Middleton gave our guys last year for the for winning the National League Championship, not even the World Series, and. You know, I had enough trouble taking the 2008 one around and, and you know, wearing it and showing it to people. And, that's, it, and, and those Super Bowl rings and those NBA rings and stuff. That, but, you know, that's what it is right now. Everybody wants to try to, to, to give their player the quote-unquote best thing, the best opulence involved, the most money, because that's what everything comes down to, the most prestige. And is it the right way to go? Look, our generation says no, of course not. But the current generation right. says, yeah, sure, bring it on. <laughs> Bigger exactly and better. Right. Bigger and better. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yep. <laughs> well, Chris, we haven't really talked to you much since the uh, playoffs ended and uh, really unauspicious for Philadelphia. I mean, we talked to Larry Bow about it a couple of weeks after the season ended and they were eliminated. And uh, he said, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. Everybody, everybody that turned out of the ballpark those last two months, everybody that turned out for the playoffs, everybody was convinced it was just a matter of closing out the last game, and that was going to be it. It was going to be World Series Philadelphia Phillies, and that we proved yeah. many times that doesn't happen. Not in baseball. Um, you know, you still have to get that last out of that last game or whatever it is. And um, I, you know what? It, it it made it, it just showed one of the great things about our game, and unfortunately we, uh, we wound up, the Phillies wound up on the short end of it, is the, the Diamondbacks, there were danger signs going into those last two games, even though they won that fifth game. There were absolute danger signs because in the first couple games of that series, and I was lucky enough to be there, uh, they threw the Phillies a lot of fastballs, um, hittable fastballs, and boy, they just—it was like batting practice. And then all of a sudden, starting in Game Three, when they went, it's like they had a meeting on the plane going out there, and they went, "You know what? Yeah. We're not throwing them fastballs anymore for strikes early. We're just going to throw this stuff out of the zone. And if they chase, you know, we may be onto something. If they don't, then you know, it's going to be a problem for the for Arizona's pitching. Well, what happened? They started chasing and chasing and chasing. And they didn't stop. Guys went into slumps. Happens all the time in the season where a guy goes into a slump for a week or something like that. But when it happens in postseason and you only have a few games left and you go into one of those funks, it can get over real quick. And it was – look, I don't want to say it was shocking to me because, you know, I've been in the game my whole life, it seems like. And I, I tell you, to see the danger signs of what was going on and that they were gaining more and more confidence and momentum – and that they felt maybe they could go back to Philadelphia and make something happen. Did they think they'd win two games? I don't know that. But they did. And uh, I think in, you have to give the Arizona Diamondbacks a lot of credit and look at the Phillies and say, hey, guys, you didn't adjust. Mm-hmm. Rod, Roger? Roger? Well, you know, there was a lot of speculation, Chris, uh, before uh, the matchups were there uh, that the Phillies would have trouble with Arizona. 
yeah, you know, sure. before the playoffs even started. And, uh, you know, I used to listen to people, uh, you know, the so-called, like, you know, you, uh, like you, experts, and, and they were warning about Arizona. And then when you're right, they got off to the Phillies, got off to that quick start. We go, oh, oh the, this is all over with. Well, it reminded yep. me, <clears throat> excuse me, of the 83 World Series. My buddy Frank Hillman <laughs> and I were down for the first game. And we're listening to sports radio in Baltimore on our way home, and they're writing the Orioles off after that first game. And we're both saying, this is way too early. And look what happened. The Orioles swept the Phillies. Well, right. And when you get to that point in the season, when you're down to these kind of teams, they're the best teams. So they're not there for a reason. It's not fluky, especially nowadays when you have to go through so many levels of playoffs to get there and what the Phillies and Diamondbacks had to go through and the teams they had to beat to get there that were, quote-unquote, on paper better than them, than, you know, the Dodgers and Atlanta and teams like that. So they were, and look, they were a team that could manufacture runs. They were a team that you don't see much of nowadays that walk a lot, that run the bases really well, that take the extra base, um, that steal a lot of bases, They'd wreak a lot of havoc on the base pass. They'd play, uh, you know, the only thing they didn't have was great arms in the outfield, but they could run everything down out there and keep singles from becoming doubles and taking away double plays and things like that. It just took them a while to get their sea legs. And, uh, boy, at the end, uh, uh, you know, they did exactly what they had to do. They stole the bases. They took the extra bases. Uh, and their pitching shut down the Phillies. Their bullpen had all those left-handers out there, and it became a problem. Chris, how many years uh, in particular did your group hang in this broadcast? I saw that what happened today, and ABC's having a big thing with Michaels. Is he going to be finished? Yeah. Or what's going to happen there? But uh, how many yeah. years did you you four guys really work together as a part of the Philadelphia Footy organization? Well, the, my first year with the guys was that, you know, they quote unquote the four of us was 1977. And the final year that uh, that Harry was still on the air before he passed away was 2008. He passed away and he actually did a few games in 2009. So technically, Don, I guess you would say from 77 through 2008 and a very small part of 2009, there were at least two of us involved. You know, Whitey had passed away in 1997 and Andy had retired and passed away uh, a number of years before that. So if you want to look at it that way, uh, you know, he and I had a pretty good run together. Uh, and the four of us, you know, it, it was it was a long time, uh, especially the way things get kicked around nowadays. And, you know, back in those days, we basically did every game. Uh, you didn't have, you know, four or five different broadcast crews. I mean, we had the cable. We had the prisms and the sports channels and things like that. But there were still – we were still involved in them. Um, so, yeah, I think we had a we had a pretty good run, a real good run. And let me go back to what you said to, to Roger a moment ago uh, when you talked about the number of fastballs that were thrown in the early part of the series and the number of fastballs that were not thrown uh, <laughs> after the second game and the fact that you realized it watching and, of course, so many people who have been in there in the game for such a long time, but nobody has a clearer focus on that kind of thing than Larry Bowen. He had the exact number of pitches that were fastballs when he was on with a few weeks ago the exact number of pitchers that were down in the dirt and out of the strike zone. I mean, uh, he knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. 
Well, I don't. Ha- I'm not privy to all that, uh, all the analytics and the numbers that Bo can get his hands on. <laughs> but all I can do is watch it with my eyes, and right. I always thought my eyes were. I always thought my eyes were pretty good when I watched the game, and uh, uh, and I, I could get a pretty good feel of what was happening or what wasn't happening. And uh, you know, it didn't take a thing a rocket scientist to see what was going on. And I'm sure when Bo saw those numbers, it just all it did was just prove to what his eyes saw. And look. He played the game. Uh, it, it, you guys appreciate the game, and it's a really, really hard game to play. Why do you do that? Why do you chase? Why? Well, they know that. They know what they're doing. They know they're trying to say, come on now, stay back. You know, the, don't, don't, they, oh, next thing you know, you're dragging the bat back to the dugout, or you just hit another pop-up or rolled over another ground ball. So, you know, and then all of a sudden it started to mushroom, and uh, it, it just didn't have the outlook because, I really thought they had a chance to, you know, the year before I didn't think they could beat Houston. I really didn't, even though they gave them a hell of a series. But I really thought that they could beat uh, the American League champion this year. And, it, it, you know, whether it was Texas or, you know, you just had a feeling that there was a, you know, Houston wasn't the same team. And, you know, if they won or if Texas won, you had a feeling that maybe they may have a better chance to win the World Series this year. I think that's why Rob Thompson keeps talking about how much this one hurts and how he said he didn't watch it and everything because I think the people that were really close to it, like a Rob Thompson and his staff, they understand, uh, you know, you don't get that opportunity that often, especially, as I said, in this day and age when there's so many levels to go through. It's really hard. It's really hard to win a World Series in our sport. And I think it was there this year, a really, really good chance to have it happen, and it's unfortunate it got away. Roger? Yeah, I'll tell you, Chris, I agree with you uh, uh, totally, 100%. And I'll tell you what's also interesting uh, today versus when you and I were, uh, and Don and Frank, when we were growing up. You know, uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with the uh, app called Game Changer, but no. you can track, okay, um, the, the uh, my granddaughter, my oldest one's in seventh grade, she played in 100 softball games this year between oh middle school yeah, uh, and between middle school and travel. <laughs> and you can track every game, and you can see the game on your phone or your iPad, and you wow. can get the box score and everything. And, and, you know, I will tell you what else is going on with uh, Twitter. These young athletes are doing their own presentations and selling themselves to college coaches. Uh, the because uh, my cardiologist son did it in basketball, <laughs> and you know, talk about a different world. And I could track yeah. all of her games, and uh, she did had thirty five games from September first till about October thirtieth or thirty first. It's uh, it's just unbelievable, and the travel baseball, you know, they never. I mean, we had you know, pick up. Well, we had little league Babe Ruth and every. When I was driving down ninety five, and I looked at the Cal Ripken uh, complex, and I saw all the hotels that are there, and all all. It's like a, a mini city, you know, for when people were there for the championship. It's it's just unbelievable sure. what it is today. Well, I, I remember, you know, I remember playing as an amateur, and we, you know, when we were kids in the fifties and sixties, we didn't have any of that stuff. And I thought it was pretty cool when I went to play a game in Paoli one time. You know, people that live in Paoli, <laughs> Philadelphia, would, 
understand exactly what I mean to think, oh, all the way yeah. up to Paola you went, huh? Or, or you went all the way down to Ridley Park? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty far from Marple. <laughs> that's pretty far from Newtown know. Square, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I want to um, know about the bowl game coming up, the Peach Bowl, because if there's anybody more dedicated <laughs> to their university than yeah. you are in Penn State, of course, one of the greatest things over the years with Nebraska and, and Whitey and you and Penn State, yeah, uh, always had a little, had, always had a little had something going on there. Yeah. It was always a lot of fun. But uh, well, I, they're a three-and-a-half-point yeah, favorite. What's your thoughts on Penn State? Well, you know, it's so hard to talk about ball games anymore because you don't know who the opt-outs are, opt-outs are going to be. Because um, uh, Ole Miss is not going to have them because they don't have a lot of uh, seniors, evidently, or guys ready to go in the NFL. Penn State has a whole boatload of guys that are going to play in the NFL real soon, either this year or next year. They've already lost Chop Robinson, who was probably the best defensive end in the country this year. He's already out. Um, they lost Manny Diaz, who just went down to coach Duke, be the head coach at Duke. So they lost their defensive coordinator. So you kind of hold your breath right now uh, on whether or not the, they're going to lose that defensive edge. You know, they were not a great offensive team this year. They're a little more dangerous right now because they figured a few things out at the end of the year. Um, and they started to use, um, you know, the uh, Alar a little bit better and their running backs. But they're a team that really relies on not giving up a lot of points. They were really, really good this year about not giving up points. And, of course, any time you play Lane Kiffin, any team that he coaches, you're looking at a track meet because that's what he tries to do. So it's really, it's really a hard game to handicap, I would think. Uh, if Penn State shows up with the defense that they've had all year, they'll make it very difficult for Ole Miss. But, you know, if, without Manny Diaz, if he's not there and they change, you know, it's not the same intensity, or if they lose a couple more guys before then, um, it'll be a different game. It'll be, you know, swing more in Ole Miss's favor, I would guess. Wheels, we had a great conversation uh, on the first half hour of the show talking about the players that now the last two days have, have uh, declared through the portal that they're going to move out of school. And uh, it was pretty much a concept of belief between Roger Hendler uh, and myself and, and uh, Roy Cummings. You know, there should be some kind of rule that you, you've <laughs> played three years or whatever it is at a university, and then five days before you're supposed to play in a bowl game, you go to the portal, and now you're going to go to another team. Well, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't seem to me that that's the way to operate. I, I would think they'd make the portal. You can't start the portal until after the season is over. Yeah, no, I just saw today that they've made it so that you can you can transfer twice now and not have to sit out a year. Yeah, um, That just happened today. So it's only going to – look, it's kind of like the way our game was for a long time. It was way, way, way too far in favor of the owners. Uh, you know, and then they got rid of the reserve clause and all the other things that young people don't understand happen to create the free agent system we have nowadays. Well, the same things in, in uh, amateur sports like this. Uh, the universities make such an incredible amount of money. And they said, well, we gave them a scholarship. Well, you know, a lot of them don't really care about that. You know, they're there to go to the next level. So I guess you have to just kind of take your head out of the sand sometime and say this is the way it's going to be and you better live or die with you. You have to do your NIL stuff. You have to be able to understand the transfer portal. And if you don't, you're just not going to be one of the powerhouse teams in the country. And Penn State has been lucky enough to be able to catch up in some areas and do some of those things. They're still not one of the top teams in the country, but they're still one of the better programs every year. It is a shame, um, but yet you have to understand the young men sometimes. Oh, you, know, you know, when you think – 
if they go out in a bowl game and blow their knee or something and all of a sudden, you know, that affects the, their livelihood going forward, you can't blame them. Roger, last question for Chris. Well, yeah, are you going to come up for the Peach Bowl, Chris? No, I'm I'm in uh, Bluebell. I'm in Pennsylvania now, Roger. I'm oh, here okay. until uh, January. I I'm up here July to January, so I'll be back down in Florida in in January. So no, I will not be going to the Peach Bowl. <laughs> well, I was I was going to say you could stay with me. I have a guest uh, room uh, suite, so you be happy you. to stay here. <laughs> Thank you. I just hope it's a I hope it's a good game. I I'm a I, I kind of. It's a shame it's starting at noon. I think it would be a great game at night. Uh, it'd be better because half those those kids aren't even awake for a noon game. But you know, <laughs> yeah, right. it still should be, it still should be a heck. There's nothing worse than the Big Ten when you're playing a game and you know it starts at noon and you know you're out in Illinois and it's eleven o'clock in the morning and you know they're not awake yet. So you know you hope it'll be a little bit different for a bowl game, but we'll see. Well, Chris, thank you very very much as always, and uh, we'll wait till spring training gets under. We'll see you down in Florida. But thank you, as always. Have a great Christmas with you and the family, and we'll talk to you at a later date. Absolutely. Thanks, you, you get, you get your health now. Uh, you know, been, you've been been a little bit banged up, so you get your health. You too, Roger and Frank, and it's always a pleasure. Anytime I can come on the show, I'll be glad to do it. Thank you so much. Best to you. Merry okay, Christmas. guys. Thank you. Thank Mike you. Is Bye-bye. Back step one, and Mike, of course, we talked to a week in and week out, but uh, – we talked uh, last week because we had the teams, we had the stadium, we had everything, the time, and we could, I guess we could talk a little bit about what uh, Wheels just said because uh, the bowl game for Mike will be starting at 12 noon as well. Mike, so the, uh, give us a full rundown of where the two teams are right now. What's the, what's the plan and what's the ticket sales? Well, thanks, guys, for having me on. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're cranking along here. Uh, here we are uh, in the mid-December already, and uh, we're just a couple weeks away from uh, bringing the teams into town and uh, uh, having a bowl game pretty soon here. So it's, we're uh, we're very, very excited. I think the first bowl games actually start this weekend, uh, but we're, uh, we're slated for uh, New Year's Day, of course, and so we're looking forward to a great matchup. Um, we're, uh, and you got the Heisman Trophy winner teams. coming in. We do, we do. We had we had the uh, we had we had both teams uh, advance parties come in uh, last week and um, uh, do uh, uh, meetings with the, the bowl staff, of course, and our you know review the practice sites and the hotels and the stadium and lots of other things. And then and then we had a big event last Thursday where we had. Coach Kelly and uh, Coach Fickle in town to do a media session at the stadium and then a big party with about 600 of our supporters and uh, sort of kick things off. And now we're uh, in the throes of uh, logistics and so forth and planning and uh, getting ready, like I said, for the, the teams to hit town here in less than two weeks. So we're very excited uh, and uh, looking forward to, to bringing them in and bringing the fans into town and showing them a great time. Roger, we're looking forward to it as well. Unfortunately, as I said last week, <clears throat> this won't be able to get there this year. It'll be the first time in a long time since that happened. But uh, you're up, Roger. Go to it. Well, Mike, you know, I'm always uh, interested when you put together a, a big function like that. Uh, you know, I did it when I was, you know, still working in corporate life. And, uh, you know, you, you want everything to go just as uh, planned. And, 
Uh, I bet the teams and the way you handle the, uh, things uh, and the entire bowl staff, first class in every way. So it had to be a, a, a wonderful experience for all of those folks from the universities coming into Tampa, uh, especially if they haven't played in that bowl uh, for a while. Yeah, you know, we haven't had uh, either team here. I think, uh, I believe, Wisconsin played in our game in nine years ago and um, uh, LSU ten years ago. So it's been a while. Uh, there's a, a few folks that are uh, still, you know, around that were here, I think, before. And I think uh, maybe even a couple of their advanced people that were with other teams uh, had been here. But uh, but all in all, uh, it's, it's a pretty new group, and, and uh, I think they're – they were very excited uh, to see what we have in, in store, uh, the facilities. You know, we've, we've got, you know, the LSU team is staying at the JW Marriott downtown. Uh, the uh, 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 Wisconsin Badgers are staying at the Grand Hyatt uh, Hotel, which is a beautiful property right on uh, Tampa Bay with beautiful sunsets across the water. Um, you know, the bands are even staying right out on, on the Gulf of Mexico on the beach. Um, and they're both practicing at uh, a very nice uh, uh, high school facilities, uh, pri- you know, private uh, uh, schools. Uh, actually, I think both of them in the last few years have won state titles in football. So you can imagine their facilities are pretty nice. So, so you know, we, we really roll out the red carpet for these guys, uh, make sure that they have everything they need and a great time. And, and we do the same for the fans, you know, with all the events and activities we do during bowl week leading up to game day. So it's uh, it's really uh, a lot of fun to host these folks and show them a good time and show them everything that we have here in this beautiful destination. And that would be a lot of fun watching Saturday night at the New York Athletic Club when your quarterback got to be the Heisman Trophy winner, which was really cream on the cake. And uh, so it should be just a big, big show and, and a lot of fun for the people in this area, as well as the ones that come in from outside, especially if you're in Wisconsin, an opportunity to come into the to the uh, uh, Tampa area, uh, see Raymond James Stadium, uh, see the, all the things that happen around it. And how many bands are you going to have this year, Mike? How many bands? Bands, yeah. Bands, um, yeah. We uh, quite a few. We've got a lot of high school bands coming around, in from around the country that are be performing at the halftime show, and they also uh, participate in our New Year's Eve parade down in uh, Ybor City, our historic district here, um, uh, which is a lot like uh, uh, Bourbon Street, a little bit, you know, like that way. Not quite, a little bit tamer maybe, but um, a lot of fun in that regard. So that'll be really interesting and, and fun to, to see them down there performing and. Um, so, yeah, we've got a lot of people coming in, um, you know, performers uh, as well as fans and, of course, the teams and everything. So it's good. it should be a great time. Um, we're really looking forward to it. Um, it, was, it was fun seeing uh, uh, Jaden Daniels uh, win the Heisman. I, I think uh, he was certainly the, uh, the the favorite to do that. If you look at his numbers, just, just amazing. I mean, um, you know, not only did he almost throw for 4,000 yards, but he ran – for almost 1,200 yards. I mean, most teams would 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 relish uh, having a running back run for 1,200 yards, but to have your quarterback be able to do it along with throwing for 4,000 yards, that's that's pretty impressive. I, I can't imagine that uh, that he won't be a number one pick in the in the draft because he's. Uh, I mean, I, I you know you look at the the player the quarterbacks in the NFL today, 
and and so how so many of the, the real successful ones are ones that uh, can move around and and hurt you with their feet as well as their right. their uh, their arm. And uh, you know, though I'm sure he won't run quite as much in the NFL and won't let him. But uh, but you know, the fact that he has that ability is just uh, so impressive. And uh, what a, what a great kid! Uh, uh, all the all the representatives were. We actually had. You know, we had uh, Bo Nix was up uh, was up for it as well. He was one of the, the finalists, and he played in our game. Um, uh, you know, his first year uh, at Auburn. Um, so we we had him in our game uh, previously, and and then uh, we'll we'll see if, uh, if Jaden comes down this year. But but it that, it's, it was fun to sort of watch those guys. Uh, definitely, uh, not only five uh, great or four great players that they had on display there, but also. Uh, seems like uh, four really uh, good, well-grounded kids as well. Oh, terrific program. And uh, Roger, you're up. Mike, I'll tell you, the Grand Hyatt, uh, I'll never forget. I've been there several times uh, covering Super Bowls because uh, the teams stay there. That's one of the, I guess, the, the main uh, locations uh, for residency uh, for teams in the Super Bowl. And uh, Don will remember this. I uh, I interviewed uh, Belichick one on one there, but it wasn't about the game. It was about a uh, a prep school coach in New Jersey that Don and I uh, were very close to, who had passed away. And and Belichick was best friends with them, and that's what what I wanted to. And I asked him, and he gave me a lot of time, you know, talking about uh, Coach uh, Ken Kerfel at Lawrenceville School. So. You just never know uh, how things are going to work out. But it is a beautiful uh, facility. And um, they talk a little bit about the parade because you can get a lot of people to the parade that don't necessarily have tickets and can't. Uh, they're not, you know, in the uh, the uh, competitors, uh, the competing schools uh, entourage, but they can get to the parade. And I know we have a lot of Tampa listeners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we uh, you know the the event is open to the public. I mean, it's free and and you know as is our beach day event where we have the the teams go out to the beach on on uh, it'll be Saturday this year the 30th. They'll be out there. The marching bands will be the cheerleaders will perform on the beach. It's a lot of fun. Great sort of a pep rally kind of atmosphere. The cheerleaders perform a tug of war contest. A lot of a lot of fun aspects that go on there. It's all free, open to the public. Just you know, show up. Uh, come, come see it. Um, enjoy yourself. Same with the parade on New Year's Eve. Um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the activities that we do um, are open to the public, and you don't have to have a ticket uh, to the game. Though, obviously, you know, uh, you, you know, you're going to be missing out on a great game if you don't. But uh, certainly, we, you know, and that's that's part of the, the great thing about these bowl games. They're not, you know, they're obviously, you know, one of the key goals is to bring in people from out of the market to create an economic impact showcase the community uh, and so forth and, uh, and entertain those fans. But it's also for the local people um, in the marketplace and, and the people that get to, 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 uh, to do those things that you mentioned. And I know, I know we, I know people who uh, have, have come every year to all the events and activities and it, it's a family tradition uh, to go to the parade, to go to the beach day event and so forth. So it's a lot of fun for everybody, uh, not only, you know, the out towners, but also the local folks. Mark, let's get to the bottom line. Where do we stand with club seats? Where do we stand with seats in general? And uh, because there is a bottom line, somebody's yeah. got to pay for something. 
<laughs> well, t- yes, tickets are tickets are selling still, and and they're on sale. They'll be on sale, I'm sure, pretty much up till game day. Um, we've got uh, you know club seats. We've got the you know other seats, and uh, you know across the board. Um, we have tickets available, and and they're available at Ticketmaster. So, um, absolutely, there's there's uh, tickets uh, available. We encourage folks to get them. Um, obviously, the sooner the better, but but uh, I think we'll we most likely have tickets all the way up to game day. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to having a good crowd. And, Mike, many of the people that outside of the Tampa area, as Roger just indicated, uh, just the opportunity to go to Raymond James Stadium because you put on a, a first-class show from the minute that people walk in and the bands, the cheerleaders, all the things that go with it. And uh, so it's a first-class day for everybody that gets there. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, we, we we try and do a lot of fun things, you know, to to make you know to make it special. I mean, the, you know, it's a college football game. It's on a neutral side college football game, of course, but it's it's a bowl game. It's special. The postseason is it's just a lot of fun for these for everybody involved. We try and make it that way. We try and make it special for everyone involved. Um, and uh, and you know, they're they're teams that don't typically get to play each other. I mean. I, I believe these two teams have played each other. I want to say three times in their history, and they and remember these guys. These teams have been playing football for I think uh, the youngest one. I can't remember which one it is. 125 years. I think the other one's been playing 130 years, um, and they've only met three times in the past. So that that's one of the, the neat allures of, of a bowl game is you typically get to see teams play each other that don't regularly get to play each other, and so it makes that that more special makes the bragging rights, so to speak, you know, more special. And of course, you know, when you're looking at big 10 and sec teams, you know, there's always that competition, right. Between those two conferences, the two most popular conferences in the history of college football, uh, hands down, um, as far as attendance and, and notoriety and, and history over the years. And, and so, you know, that's special when, you know, LSU is going out there representing the sec uh, Wisconsin is going out there representing not only the Badgers in their history, but the Big Ten, you know, against the SEC, you know, and and so uh, that's why I think you get so many times that you know in our game at least, you know, the the teams they show up to play. I mean, they're they're there to seriously win this game. Uh, they're not here just to have a good time, but though though we we expect them to have a good time while they're here, and they do, but you know they're here to play. They show up on game day. And that's why we we've had so many uh, great matchups in the, in the past 37 years, um, and and so many close games and and exciting games and exciting finishes. The last time Roger uh, that uh, LSU was here, they beat Iowa uh, by seven points. Jeremy Hill was the running back uh, for for them, and, and they had a receiver called Odell Beckham Jr. who put on a pretty good show. <laughs> and the last time mm-hmm. Wisconsin was here. There was a kid named Melvin Gordon uh, who ran for about 252 yards and broke uh, the bowl record uh, for for yards from scrimmage, and and um, they won in overtime. Uh, and the coach that day was none other than Barry Alvarez, who came out of retirement to coach the team because his, his, his coach had left to go to Oregon State or something. And so right. uh, he uh, the team the players wanted Barry to to coach him. 
and he coached them in the game, and they end up uh, winning the game and carrying them off the field on their shoulders. This is the last game that he coached. So, so a lot of exciting things happen in our game, and, and we're expecting nothing more, or nothing less uh, than that this year. Roger? Well, I'll tell you, that's a, a really a great point about uh, Barry Alvarez's uh, last game because uh, I used to do a, a show in uh, Princeton and uh, for many years, and then I did a show for two years with Troy Vincent, who played for Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. And as Don knows, because he was at uh, the with Theodore Show uh, at Wegmans, that uh, we had the high school players of the week. And the young man uh, lineman that week was from the Petty School, and he told Troy he wanted to go to uh, Wisconsin. And the coach at Petty got a call from Alvarez or one of his assistants the next day about this young man so you just never know and i i can tell you something else mike the uh one of the uh divisions in georgia high school football they just kicked off so the uh mercedes-benz stadium is uh packed for several days with state championship games the different groups so this is you know this football is great anytime but this time of the year, with the bowl games coming up and the high school playoffs, it's really an exciting time to me. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, football, I mean, it's a fact that football is the number one sport in America. Uh, the NFL and then college, um, as far as whatever metrics you want to use. And so, but it's all football and, and it goes all the way down to the high schools and, and so forth. Um, you know, and you know, unfortunately it's one of the shortest seasons in, of any sport. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and obviously we understand why because of physicality, but uh, so, you know, you know, so many millions and millions of people uh, wait for college, wait for football to start every year. And then, like I said, the season is relatively short. And so, the postseason uh, really sort of allows those of us who are big college football fans and high school fans even to to, to sort of extend the season a little bit longer uh, to enjoy our, our our favorite sport a little bit longer, um, you know, before we get into the new year. And so uh, it, it's a just a great way to finish off the year and also in our case on New Year's Day to kick off the new year. Well, I, I think it's interesting because uh, as we talk now, they're still doing the schedule on the SEC on ESPN uh, to show that the, the magnitude of the SEC to start with that they take up a whole hour just to put their schedule on on ESPN, and uh, so now you got yeah, two they drag it out, right? coming. <laughs> Pardon me. They, well, they drag it out, so it lasts an hour, right? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, absolutely, they do. <laughs> But uh, they, they got time. two new teams coming in, Texas coming in, Oklahoma coming in. So it's uh, it's really going to be something because uh, the Big 12 will be uh, picking up a little bit and, and uh, the Big 10 is, is going to compete. And as you said, you know, here's two schools going against each other, LSU and Wisconsin. Should even make it more fun with all the things that are happening in both conferences coming into 2024. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, there, you know, with all these new teams in the conferences and our conference partners, it's going to be exciting to see, um, you know, how that, uh, you know, how that unfolds uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, there, you know, two 
two big name teams going to the SEC and four big name teams going to the Big Ten. So, which I believe the Big Ten will, not, will then have 18 teams. So, uh, but at any rate, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun having those those new teams involved, um, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, you know just continuing the, the relationship for years to come. Roger, you can close out you know, this segment. Go to it. Yeah, you know, Mike, uh, I know you've had an affiliation with the uh, ACC, I think, in the past, right? And uh, the uh, yeah, the, what the, I'm, the last few years we've had we've had a, a, a nuance where we could potentially get a team, but that will end after this year. So that that will end going year. forward, uh, at least for the next couple, okay. at least for the main two years of our of our other agreements. Yeah, just because yeah, of the well, expanded I, playoff, it sort of throws that out. But, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm just wondering and I'm hoping that uh, the ACC uh, can grow, too, uh, so uh, that, you know, with the Clemsons and, and uh, the teams that are in it. But uh, I'm concerned, I mean, uh, that uh, these two uh, big conferences are just going to get so big uh, that there won't be any other uh, conferences uh, to speak of. And I know you're in a position where you really can't say anything about it, and uh, but that's my opinion. I, I just hope that uh, the ACC can uh, do something, uh, pick up some, uh, and it may be they have to pick them up from, you know, in the Midwest or something like that. It will not be the ACC as we knew it for many years, especially in basketball. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't really heard too much about that recently. I mean, the, the ACC is picking up some teams. I mean, I don't know if you remember seeing that. They're, they're bringing in, um, uh, it was a Stanford, SMU. Well, there you go. And yeah, um, I can't, I'm I'm blanking out here right now. But they did sort of pick up uh, a few of the teams that were left out of the the, the exodus from the Pac-12, um, and and. Uh, to bring the, bring those teams in to their conference, um, so so they are adding three teams, the Big Ten four teams and the SEC two teams next year, um, and the Big Twelve uh, added four teams this year, and will add four I believe four more teams next year. The uh, Colorado, um, what is it? Col- Colorado, the two Arizonas, Arizona and Arizona State, and Utah are going to the Big Twelve next year. So. So really, yeah, and then and then from what I read in the, in the, uh, the paper, so to speak, the uh, the Pac-12 is uh, putting together a scheduling, um, um, not a merger per se. I don't think they call it that, but a a scheduling merge, whatever, with the Mac Mac conference, Mountain, or Mountain West conference rather, Mountain West conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be so they'll be um, putting together a schedule uh, with the the Mountain West. Uh, conference teams, um, uh, you know, for at least for the time being, and and I, I would assume that eventually that'll they'll merge, you know, they'll merge into one Pac-12 conference, a new new Pac-12 conference, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll see what so happens. Mike, there. you're one of the few so, people that we can talk to that still read the paper. <laughs> well, <laughs> I say I, I know say what he meant. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wish they could. Uh, you know, the, well, the paper we have here only only actually prints the paper twice a week, so so I got to see it all online. But uh, it is what it is, I guess. So I still well, like to print things that, out. Thank you, as always, for flipping game over the two teams, <laughs> the starting time of your bowl game. And we'll go from there. Yep, go January first, uh, noon Eastern time. January first, uh, noon kickoff. Actually, twelve oh four kickoff. 
on uh, on January 1st. Uh, tickets are available at Ticketmaster. Um, we're excited, and uh, we encourage folks to come see this matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, the events and activities around it are great. And if you're from out of town, uh, come down here. This is the this is the premium destination for for a college bowl game. Um, you know, you can call some other games playoffs or whatever you want to call them, but um, this is uh, just a, a tremendous destination here, as as uh, as evidenced by the number of people moving here. It's the, one of the most fastest growing um, uh, destinations in the country right now. People moving here because. They, they like it so much, and I can attest to the traffic now getting <laughs> any thicker, but but it's all good. It's all good. We welcome everybody. More week to go all over, so I'm looking forward to that. Have a good week in your preparation this week, and have a great game, and we'll have a lot of fun talking about it next week as well. Sounds great, guys. You have a, a great night and a, a nice weekend. Going up. You too, Mike. Thanks so much. All right, that's Mike Schulte, and uh, we always have a chance to talk with him about the bowl game, and he's been such a cooperative uh, guest on our show and also a cooperative guest in making uh, press credentials available for all of us for the games. Uh, Roger uh, may have had his first chance to go this year because he's in Atlanta. All the other years he was in Philadelphia or elsewhere, and uh, he's not that far away when he's in Atlanta, so maybe he can get down for the game. And, uh, of course, our executive producer, Frank Carroll, uh, always is prepared and ready to go. Uh, we meet uh, many of the people that are kind enough to join us on the show. And, Frank, uh, maybe you'd make a comment or two because sometimes uh, uh, some of the guests that we get are a direct result of uh, Mike and from the bowl game and from uh, your conversation. So we always get a little, little fresh information coming from them. Yeah, Don, I think uh, the people that we have, and, and it's, to tribute to all uh, the members of the staff is that they say that uh, after we're on, uh, I send them, personally send them a uh, text as soon as their mic closes. And they say uh, how nice it is, an atmosphere, to talk like you're sitting at the kitchen table just talking sports and not trying to pin them on anything. The other thing is they they really appreciate uh, the way we treat them and and, uh, I've always from Bill Berge all the way down, have, have always said, you know, anything I can do for you, I'm there for you. So I want yeah, to that's say a great part of it because Dick Vermeil, Bill Berge, uh, you could talk about any number of the Eagles, any number of the other uh, professionals there, like Chris Wheel that was on with us this evening. Chris, as uh, he said, uh, is so many years behind the microphone as a team with the Philadelphia Phillies, but they are just a couple of the people, and, of course, Mike, but the bowl game and uh, – Roger, we're very, very fortunate to get good guests. Well, it starts with uh, Frank, okay? Let's face it, and uh, uh, and we try to, uh, and we do. We treat them all as guests, as, as we respect them. Uh, we don't try to uh, throw them any uh, curveballs. Uh, it is like a conversation that you would have as, uh, uh, you know, Sonny Hill says, in the living room and uh, with his show. And Dan Baker has uh, always said the same thing when he's on. He feels so comfortable. And, you know, and, and we know a lot of these people. I mean, I do not know Mike uh, personally. I've never uh, met him in person. 
Uh, but uh, he just, you know, he I know from what he was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. <laughs> well, the good thing about it, like Chris Wheeler said earlier tonight, and it's funny because you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when you were driving Dan Baker home after one of the Philly playoff games, and he said one of the proudest things he has is the ring, <clears throat> the first ring and now into the second ring, uh, of the playoffs and the possible World Series and uh, the World Series that he did uh, uh, participate in uh, from the PA standpoint. That's the first thing he said, exactly what Chris Wheeler said, how proud he is of that ring. Well, absolutely. And uh, the uh, you had to be there last night, Don, uh, uh, and also in school yesterday uh, when I took this replica in from 1980. And um, as one of the teachers, husband, and, and I had the, the two boys, one of them still in middle school, and they're quite the basketball players. And the husband's originally from Chicago, and I had met him before. And he was saying, these kids, uh, these boys probably don't even know who Mike Schmidt is. And then when you start thinking about it, you know, 1980 is when my daughter was born, and she's 43 years old. <laughs> and to us, it was like yesterday in many ways. <laughs> well, Mike Zimzak's like yesterday, too, because he's a young reporter in, in Washington, Baltimore area, and he joins us week in and week out. We talk about the guests that we have on the show, and Mike's on top at all times. And Mike uh, follows everything that's going on, whether it's soccer, whether it's the uh, Washington Commanders, whether it's uh, uh, the hockey club, no matter what it might be. And, and he gives us a report on it each and every week. And uh, what is, what's the hot topic in the Washington Baltimore area today, Mike? All right. So as you guys are reminiscing, I have a um, bobblehead of Dr. J on my desk at school. How about that? You'd be shocked. Uh, you'd be shocked to know how many of my students know, don't know who Dr. J is. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. No, I wouldn't be. I'm, I'm never shocked. At, I'm never shocked with people not knowing who somebody is because you could ask people who George Washington is, and they wouldn't know. <laughs> no, Mike's clear. But they always because he's an educator. <laughs> I, I, I I try. Most times I fail, but I try. Mike, I'll tell you, uh, Don knows this story. Uh, a couple of years ago in school, uh, one boy, uh, because he knew I was, you know, from the Philadelphia area, he was trying me on, telling me that uh, Wilt never scored a hundred points. Well, you know, and he was doing it. He was, he was, you know. Yeah, and I had the evidence. I took the CD in, or I went online and I got it and had Bill Campbell's broadcast, which uh, you know how that is. We talked about that. Don got a call from a listener at CAU telling him that this guy had recorded off of the radio, of the, off of the broadcast, what was it, Don, the fourth quarter of that game? Yeah, not even the, uh, you know, not even a, a – a... He was just a fan, a, a guy that uh, listened yeah. to games, and there wasn't anybody in the business that, that, that taped it saying, hey, this might be something that, you know, may be worth keeping. This was just a guy who happened to be a 76er fan, a Will Chamberlain fan, and he taped it and called Bill and get, sent it to Bill. When you hear it, 
that's because of a fan that sent it in. Yeah. It, I, I'm going to tell you all gentlemen this much. There are two things I know for sure. Um, George Patton commanded a division. But right. why can I find 15,000 people who, who, who served with him in World <laughs> War II? Yeah. And yeah. that stadium in Hershey maybe held 8,000 people, but why can I find 15,000 people who were there that night? <laughs> <laughs> the whole Fourth Army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never met somebody who served in World War II who didn't serve with Patton, and I met, I've never met anybody from Philly who wasn't at Hershey that day of a certain age, who wasn't at Hershey that day that scored 100. I'm like, I know for a fact that y'all weren't there because that stadium didn't have that many. And I know for That's a fact right. you didn't serve with Patton because I know how many people he commanded. <laughs> but that Is that counting his horses or no? And, and, well, that's what sports is because <laughs> it's all about the great story. And that's what gets us all interested in it. And it's about the great story. And that's what those are. And that's what Wilt's 100-point game is. That's what Kobe Bryant's 80-point game is. They're great stories, and we all want to be a part of it when it happens. No question about that, Roger. I got to – it's funny you brought up Patton. You know, my dad was uh, in World War I and II. And I uh, have this – it's like a picture, a small picture and uh, I, I, you know, I just uh, moved, and I, I took the picture because I wanted to save it, and I was, I, I, I had it in the bedroom, but I know I brought it in here uh, for safekeeping into the uh, living area. I'm putting books away and everything, but I'll tell you what, I have that picture, and it, it's Patton with his uh, assistants, you know, his deputies. Uh, over there at that time, and it just brought, you know, brought back memories because I've had this picture and I wanted to protect it, and I just, uh, it's probably, I think I put it in the desk, so uh, I would have it. But it's funny you brought that up, and of course I know you know you went to West Point, and uh, so, so you you would have. Hey, Army uh, Navy this weekend. Yeah, Army I know. Great. Yeah. And if, nothing else happens remain, if nothing else happens to remainder of the year, Army beat Navy. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. Uh, um, I will hopefully be in attendance next year when it's down in this general area. Gentlemen, um, I don't know if I'm committed, catching you by surprise, but did you see the news that the uh, Wizards – and the Capitals may move out of D.C. and go to Virginia. No, I didn't Is see that. Is there a facility there that they can use right away, or they're going to have to build a new one? They are going to build um, a completely new stadium in a mixed-use complex that will be owned by Monumental Sports. And it is slated to open in 2008, or 2028, I'm sorry. 
Okay. But there, there was a big press conference with the governor of uh, Virginia and Ted Leonsis, the owner of Monumental Sports, which owns the uh, Caps, the Wizards, the Mystic, and the G League team, the Go-Go. And they are announcing that the Caps and the Wizards may potentially move to Arlington, Northern Virginia. I got to say that I had not seen that. Uh, Roger, maybe you did. No, I didn't. Whereabouts in Arlington, Mike? Um, basically right on the runway, right on the end of the runway from Reagan National. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, that's tight. I, I, that's saw, tight. I saw the renderings, and um, you're going to see and hear the planes take off from this new stadium if that's where it ends up. It's the It'll be like a stadium in Washington, <laughs> Washington, Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. It's the exact same place where they had proposed putting the Redskins Stadium when Jack Kent Cook thought he had a stadium deal out there, and the voters turned it down. Hmm. Well, about that, so, I, 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 that I hadn't even seen that anywhere in the paper or anybody no. discussing it. Uh, probably my loss of uh, of uh, communication no, and, that, that I, I just never saw. It, it's not. It's not – it's really one of those things, gentlemen, I'll tell you, that has uh, developed over about the last three days. Oh, um, okay. Monday, we heard that this was – it's been a rumbling for a couple of months, but Monday we heard this was a thing. Yesterday, um, the D.C. City Council said uh, – and the mayor approved a – renovation to the Capital One Center, and then uh, 9.30 a.m., there was a press conference, today, there was a press conference that made the official announcement. So this is one of those things where it really, really, really picked up steam very, very quickly, because Monday, I saw the first reports, and I said, okay, yeah, this isn't a really big thing. There, it's a negotiating tactic. Um, they're trying to get more money out of D.C. to stay at the Capital One Center. And then by 9.30 Wednesday, they're making a formal announcement. Yeah, this is what's happening. So, Roger, well, you know what this is like, Mike? Uh, when the Braves announced they were going to be leaving Turner Field and going out to Smyrna and uh, building, uh, they're going to be the, the new ballpark, and they're going to have hotels and condos and restaurants. It's called the Battery now. It's impressive. And that was in a little article that was somebody picked up uh, and called in on sports radio that was in the Marietta paper. It was not a big headline. It was just a small article. And then they had the press conference right away. You know, they, I mean, they had to once, once the word got out. And it was just, it just reminded me, because I was here when that happened. Uh, and that's number one. But number two is, I, uh, do you think that this is all predicated on all the problems that are in the district uh, with uh, crime and everything? And, uh, and, and this is to get people away and, and get them out. My daughter used to teach at Arlington Traditional School. So uh, I'm very, and, you know, of course, being down there a lot, I am very familiar with Arlington 
and I know exactly where that runway is coming into uh, Reagan National. Um, a couple of things. Roger, it had the uh, remnants of the Colts and the Mayflower moving vans, to me, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it just happens all of a sudden in the dead of night, okay, this case, very early morning, and they're leaving. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, not to go to Indianapolis, but to go to Arlington, Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as much about the crime issue as it is that area in D.C. was thriving prior mm-hmm. to COVID. What is the accessibility to that area? COVID sent them into what we would like to call in, in commercial real estate a doom loop. There's nobody mm-hmm. coming down there anymore. Um, the restaurants and the bars that have been de- uh, dependent, not as much on just like they would make their money on the 200 dates a year that that stadium was in use, but um, nobody's coming down there as much anymore. And everybody had sent uh, rent sky high. And they were like, no, we can't sustain this anymore. And you had the crime, you had not as many people coming down anymore. (laughs) Excuse me. They have announced possible a massive cut to Metro. Ted Leonsis, as an owner of a business, owes to his partners, I got to make the best deal possible for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And staying in D.C. may not be the best deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Leonsis had gotten a little bit upset in September, October, when D.C. was going whole hog on getting the uh, Commanders, Redskins, Washington team of football, whatever you want to call them, to stay in D.C. And he's like, mm-hmm. yo, I got two teams that are playing in an arena that was built in 1997. They're still playing here. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you going to give me this money to keep them there? Okay. And I feel like he's slightly vindicated. Now, there's a lot that has to happen before they actually move down there. But the um, honestly, and it's really interesting that they figure out a way to get that done because this is not only an issue of the Washington Capitals, and the Washington Wizards. Georgetown basketball calls that home. The Washington Mystics, Ted Leonsis just built a new stadium. Uh, yeah, it's city land, but he paid to have it. For uh, the Washington Mystics and D.C. Go-Go down in southeast, the uh, Washington Sports and Entertainment Center. If they go down to Arlington, where is Georgetown basketball going to play their home games now? Sounds like you got a little cold. Yeah, would they play where the the Mystics play in that new uh, place in Southeast? 
Yeah. But um, and Leontes doesn't own the land, but he owns the building. He owns the mm-hmm. Capital One Center. So even if mm-hmm. he moves, he's still got this asset that he needs to do something with. What's he going to do with that? Well, you said it was built in 97. So you're coming yes. up on, uh, or it's that's over 30 years, right? Almost, or 30, we'll be, it'll be almost, almost 30, 30 it'll be, years. 25 years. Let's call it 25 years. <laughs> time yeah. for a change, and, boys. Time for a well, change, and we're going to change because we're out of time. Right? Very, very Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you for so much participation during the course of the year. We'll get together, and by that time, Love maybe the commanders will have uh, new coaches and new staff and new players. We'll talk about it then. Thank you. Take care, right, Mike. Talk to you later. Have a great week. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Doug, Doug Hamilton is on the line right now, our PGA professional down there in Baltimore. And uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll start off with the Ravens because uh, okay. we, we got at the top of the National Football League, we've got some very, very interesting games. we got a lot of six mm-hmm. and seven teams in the middle and around there, but the Ravens have been one that have been right up at the top most of the season. And Doug, mm-hmm. Yeah. Your latest prognostication as to where you stand. Oh, boy, I tell you, it's it's been fun to watch the Ravens play football this year. Um, you know, I think the, the three losses that they have, they obviously were in all three of those games and could, and could have won uh, each and every one of them. And I think, um, respectively, uh, both uh, my wife and my son evacuated the room this past weekend as I was watching the Ravens play the Rams, and, and I, I – had to control, I suppose, some of the uh, verbiage that I used uh, during the game uh, regarding calls and, and plays and those sorts of things. Um, you know, um, I thought uh, t- towards the end of that game when, when the, the last touchdown pass that Lamar Jackson threw, I don't understand. It was it was second and 11, and they claimed that he got sacked but then they went to to the replay and it clearly showed that he wasn't down yet. It was now third and 17. And I, I was like, well, how can you have instant replay and like not get this right? You know what I mean? He was. So then he threw the touchdown and I was like, you know, I hate to say it, but I had at least one, if not two middle fingers extended towards the television to say, there's your sack. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was fun, you know, and then obviously I think, Marlon Humphrey was a little nail biting towards the end. He got he slipped and fell and he got beat on two different plays. And um, I'm thinking this is but this is not really going to end well for the Ravens. And then you know, gosh, Devin Duvernay was uh, a Pro Bowl kick returner and he's out of the game. And now they got you know Wallace in there. And I'm thinking, oh God, just please catch the football. And then all of a sudden, you know, he he scores a touchdown and the game's over. And we enjoyed a nice, wonderful dinner that evening. <laughs> <laughs> Roger after. After all was said and done, you had a nice <laughs> it's, dinner. Gosh, yeah. it's funny how sports can just change your mood and, and um, you know, heaven forbid. I mean, we have um, – this is a very big week uh, for a lot of people that don't know it. That um, it, There's fantasy football if anybody's uh, involved in, in such uh, a cult-like activity like me when I do that, that um, this is the first week of the playoffs in fantasy football this coming week. So um, it's a it's a pretty big deal, and I've been known to not speak to, to other individuals, um, at least in complete sentences, when they ask me questions because, you know, you pay money to get in these things and you want to win, and, and um, you know, sometimes when you lose, it, it, it does change your mood. I can tell you that. It's happened to me. 
<laughs> oh, no doubt about it. The uh, you know we were talking to Mike Simzak about uh, uh, the uh, surprise announcement about the the uh, building a new arena down in uh, the mm-hmm. Arlington Alexandria area, but um, yeah. the uh, and you, and he was just talking and Don mentioned that there was ni- it was uh, built in ninety seven the arena mm-hmm. in downtown DC. Well, yeah. we talked before about Camden Yards. And, you know, I think about it that it was built in the last five years. Obviously, I'm thinking incorrectly. And and that's well over 30 years, right? Absolutely. Roger, we were there with the helmets on when they built it. Sure. Well, I know. I know we were. And our our late wives uh, died in 97. (laughs) And uh, so you're talking about uh, 27 years ago. And I know you and I were there, Don, long before that. So uh, right. going down to the Redskins-Eagles game. Yes, I, I was present for the first ever uh, home night game at Camden Yards. Um, I believe I had – wait a minute. I know I have something downstairs. I'm in the basement. In fact, I still have my uh, original ticket um, mm-hmm. for that game. They, they played the Cleveland Indians um, April – Eighth, nineteen ninety-two. Okay, there you was. go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there. That's, that's um, twenty-five yeah, years you're, ago. Yeah, you're 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 going backwards. I mean, you're talking about a multitude of different topics there, and I'll tell you that. You know, I've been watching since. You know, we're in the Frederick uh, area here. You, you, we get a lot of the DMV um, news coverage, so they're they're that was a big deal this morning with uh, Governor Yunkin and everybody yucking it up about you know, possibly bringing that, you know, whole venue to uh, the Alexandria area. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a little bit skewed, I think. I mean, I'm I'm a GW graduate, and to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I hate, I hate most things about Washington, D.C. It's just, it's not befitting of where I went to school. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not a city dweller. I'm not a concrete. I'm not a pavement. I'm not a you know, mass people, mass transit kind of person. Um, you know, I think that uh, when when we uh, visit uh, the downtown area, thank God my wife drives because otherwise I would never go because I have no uh, inclination to want to be in a, a vehicle uh, commanding it in the D.C. area because of one-way streets and traffic and people and parking garages and all that. That is just well beyond the scope of my... Uh, patients, uh, so she's a yeah. saint for doing that. But uh, e- even at that, um, you know, where, where we park in the parking garage to go to the arena to watch the Caps play, um, you know, it's it's an okay area, but it's not. I mean, you know, I'm not going to do cartwheels, you know, uh, walking from my vehicle in the parking garage to, you know, potentially cold weather and. and the things you may encounter between here and there, um, you know, once you're inside, um, you know, it's a plausible arena that, that has, you know, all the uh, comforts of what you would need and, and watching hockey live is, is an amazing event. Uh, so that's well worth the deal. But then once you leave, you're kind of like, I don't really want to walk back to my car. And I mean, so I don't know. I mean, if they can, if they can build, you know, a nice arena that gets, um, you know, all the things they discussed with uh, retail and food and restaurants and all those sorts of things in an area where, you know, people can visit and and feel uninhabited by uh, crime. I mean, I don't know if you guys 
pay attention, but I mean, Washington D.C. is a mess right now when it comes to yeah. uh, all, all the things that are happening. And, and I hate to say it, but the, the, the lady that's the mayor, Muriel Bowser, is just she. I mean, um, I know that she's trying as hard as she can, but this is a second fiddle, you know, conversation that all of a sudden she's throwing five. I mean, they they found five hundred million dollars that they're going to upgrade cap on arena so now let's fast forward so uh both so the ravens uh signed uh their lease deal and they get their share of what is it three or six hundred million dollars to do some different upgrades and um hopefully this uh lawyer guy rubenstein uh does eventually buy the orioles and uh you know signs that long-term lease and they can do the same thing um you know maybe he opens up his checkbook so there's you know, I feel like I've hit all the topics that you talked about with upgrades to the different arenas and stadiums. And, yeah, I mean, Camden's probably due for, you know, some version of, of uh, upgrade. And, and the surrounding areas in that Baltimore, you know, well, Mike, Street, Mike said at Bradley. the end of that uh, Reagan runway area had really gone down and down and down. And they need, to, as far as restaurants were concerned or yeah. any of the business activities around that area, we're really hurting, and this would be a tremendous sure. influx for the whole area. Yeah, I mean, look, um, DC's made their efforts to uh, try to upgrade certain things. I mean, during my time at GW, uh, spanning from like '92 to '96, I mean, the Northwest Quadrant was uh, the best of the four um, with regard to uh, safety and, and police coverage and, and students and, and all those sorts of things. I mean, you're literally a dum-dum if you're walking the streets of D.C., no matter what quadrant you're in, uh, you know, past dark um, by yourself. So right. you start you start venturing into that southeast quadrant where, yeah, they had some nice areas over there with Irish pubs and bars and, and just different things to do. But um, that's, that's not generally a safe area uh, for people to inhabit. And then you start talking about Chinatown and you start talking about where, uh, you know, the Nats uh, play and, and, and all those sorts of things. I mean, look, there was probably a reason why the Redskins moved, uh, you know, out of D.C. minus RFK to Landover. You know, now now you're talking about the possibility of, of both the Wizards and, and Caps doing the same thing. So, um, I mean, look, there's a lot of things that go into that and from, from an economical standpoint, uh, you know, moving forward. Roger? Well, the I, I think uh, you're uh, right on target, Doug. Uh, the same thing in Philadelphia. It's a disgrace. Mm-hmm. And uh, this thing... Uh, this, Roger, uh, they're trying uh, to go the other way. The Sixers want to go downtown. I, I know. And it's sheer stupidity. Sheer <laughs> stupidity. Okay? <laughs> that when, you, when the city is in bad shape uh, with crime and it's right down mm-hmm. in that area... And uh, you're talking about removing uh, the Chinatown residents out of there. This is strictly a Josh Harris uh, move because uh, what they are going to do is they're going to develop down where the stadium complex is, Dan. I mean, Don, uh, you know, in in, uh, South Philadelphia, what is that, Roosevelt Park, that whole area. And uh, they're going to make that into, like I had alluded to earlier, like the Braves did when they moved out to Smyrna. And the whole area is called the Battery. And they have the hotels, the condos. uh, They have all the shopping, restaurants. They have everything. So it's a destination. And that's what you need to have today. I'll tell you what, my, my freshman year, 
my parents dropped me off at GW, and of course, you know, we moved in, and uh, elevator was small. We had a bunch of stuff, whatever. Of course, we couldn't. Mom and Dad couldn't leave until Mom at least made the sheets on my bunk bed. Uh, I watched them. I, I watched them get in their car and drive away, and I thought, "Holy shit! What am I going to do now? I, I literally know. I know nobody. I don't know what to do. I, like I'm scared to death. You know what I mean? So, you know, we uh, we start our baseball uh, in the fall there, and at the time we were practicing at RFK uh, Auxiliary Field. So, so here I am, a country boy from Manchester, Maryland, Carroll County, and. I'm going into southeast D.C., and I see graffiti, and I see bars on windows, and I see, like, you know, just trash and jalopy cars and just, you know, stuff that I've never seen before, and we get to practice. And it's hotter than, you know, the hinges of Hades, and, and, you know, we're practicing. The next thing you know, I hear gunshots. And I'm thinking, like, where am I? What is going on? Like, what, where, what planet? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it was so surreal that I just didn't fit into any of that until, thankfully, we, we moved into the Virginia area um, to Barcroft Field, which now they've they've really done a nice job with uh, dressing that up um, into an all-turf field and with grandstands and all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting transformation, but um, that was that was quite a – and I'll tell you, the other one was – the original field uh, post-ellipse uh, for the GW, uh, at that time, Colonials, um, was Rock Creek Park. Uh, so, you know, here I am again that freshman year, and they had basically our fences for the outfield were those orange, probably about four-and-a-half-foot snow fences, and I'm the freshman. Uh, we we so got to hold it right there until our uh, next show because we're out of time. Frank Stelly, yeah. tick, tick, tick. And yes. uh, Merry Christmas to you and to your family. Yep. And have a very, very happy New Year. And thank you for a wonderful year working Appreciate with us that. on the program. Thanks, Doug. Always a pleasure. You got it. Doug, Let's take turn care. it over to our what? Commander-in-Chief. Uh, Frank Carroll's ready to close us out. Go ahead, Frank. Thanks, thank you, guys. Thanks for everything for everybody. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week. in appreciate appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces. The men and women of the and Fire Services. <clears throat> and we are also dedicated to those who've lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswitz, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Chiller, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Goblin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Chris Levake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Sermon Anopla Christian, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Serva, Newcastle County Police. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. <clears throat> Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Fikus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Fire Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hogle, Longboat Cape Police Department. Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Deputy Mike Hargrove, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Blaine Lane and Deputy uh, Chris Meyer, Polk County Sheriff's Department. Sergeant Chris uh, Fitzgerald, Philadelphia Police Department, Philadelphia Sheriff's Department. <clears throat> Sergeant uh, Rod- Rodriguez, Philadelphia Police Department. 
My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, but sometime will be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hands. Good night. God bless. Please have a very safe and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And remember the, the final rule. If you drink, don't drive. If you drive, don't drink. We want to see you back here again. Probably. County Dispatch in 1999, County Dispatch in 1999.
County dispatched in 1999. All units be advised, 1999's response to his last emergency. May God rest his soul and all his souls of faithful departed.